Funky Friday. Yeah. We, we started the weekend at 10 o'clock. Yeah, listen to this song. You ever yeah, heard this song? Listen. President of Bass Operations, Tim Conley's in here. This is my shizod when, when I was in junior high. It's a, that's how old this song is. It's our weekend. It, and I liked it because Cream's in this song. Junior high, you still are you drinking Schlitz? What are you drinking in junior high? Uh, Bo- Boone's Farm. <laughs> I get six Schlitz. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's good though, Tim. It's how we. It's how we officially start. Yeah, the this official start of the weekend. Song. When this song it's only ten a.m., but here we are. <laughs> here we go. Ain't that a bit? Yeah, it's Funky Friday. Funky Friday. Scott Hastings, Josh Dover, Tim Conley hanging out with us in studio. Tim, appreciate you making your way. You must down be here. bored. Uh, no, not at all. I was supposed to take my kids, Devin and me, to school day, so it's funny. Um, they're in school in Lowry, and I live downtown. I said, Daddy, how is your school when you're, you're driving somewhere? I said, it's, don't worry about it. I need to get out of the house. <laughs> school canceled then? Nothing going School's on School's canceled, today, but yeah. they couldn't fathom how their school was canceled, but I, I could come do a, a radio show. It's kind of cool to be in here, though, right? It's kind of, I mean, uh, no, radio's great cool. to be here. I could be here all the time. I love it. <laughs> you know, we, we had a guy last week that kind of started me in the business, and he, now he runs like, he basically helped stop all, start all Fox Sports Radio and does the biggest uh, uh, sports station in, in L.A. named Don Martin. But he said new radio. Everybody says radio's done. No, no, it's, it's all audio. Everything is just audio because we listen. I've listened to podcasts on the drive-in. Everything's audio now. Audio. Uh, I was with uh, Gary Harris last night in dinner. He's really into audible books right now. Yeah. Obviously, podcasts are huge. What you guys do is huge. It's fascinating. If you can put the earphones in, it's, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, and, 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 I, and still do something else. All right, real fast. Uh, so you get to rest now. Uh, a little. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go scout tomorrow morning. I'm gonna see some college games, so I can get like 24 the, hours. Yeah, <laughs> can put the phone away. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it's kind of funny because we saw you at the game the other day, and it's still 24 hours, 36 hours before the before the uh, trade deadline. And, and I said, okay, he's here. I said, but he, I mean, he, his eyes here in the game right mm-hmm. here. You know, but about, the phone's still right here too. Talking about this guy. So Noah Vonley deserves a, a, a huge badge of honor. He landed at nine, came to the arena. I got there at ten. We're talking, catching up. Checks no tell at 11. We had a call at 11.15 that we might have you know, seven or eight healthy guys. Right. I call his cell phone, no answer. I call the house phone. Hello? Hey, no, it's Tim. Hey, hey, um, do you want to jump on a 140, uh, I think a 145, no, 245 flight to Salt Lake City? Um, we might only have seven or eight guys. Um, okay. So I show up. <laughs> he has no shoes. I have a carry-on with two size 17 shoes. I bring a jersey, a blank jersey, and we jump on the United flight. Wow. We make it by one minute. We get to a hotel at five. He's at the arena by six. And the other part of the trade wasn't completed. It took forever to, for some of the physicals. To get Do you done. think that was gamesmanship just a little bit? I thought it was pretty creative. Not, <laughs> uh, I mean, and this poor guy Noah is on his second flight. He went from Minnesota to Denver four hours to Salt Lake City, and he's he's sitting there with – a pair of size 17s and a jersey that's probably can fit me. He's ready to go in the game. So <laughs> that, that guy deserves a lot of credit for but that. But you know day. what? That, that says something to his teammates, too. Teammates know that, too. No, I told him. I said, you know what? If you play or don't, it's going to make an impact on our coaches and our team. They saw that you wanted to be there to help, and it was pretty impressive. That's cool. I want to ask you, and of course, we got into it. We talked all about it, but uh, goals. Like, kind of, what did you guys say, or what did you say ahead of, all right, trade deadlines Thursday at 1 o'clock? What are our goals moving towards that time? And we had a handful of players circled. And, you know, we, we saw if we get there. And when, whenever we get a chance, we like to add uh, future assets. It's not just what those assets could be if you, if you use the pick. And we've got a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. It's also what they allow you to do in trades. There's, there's 
besides great players, there's nothing more, I think, valuable in, in that market than first-round picks. Um, we thought we needed some additional bodies up front. We've been through a ton of injuries. I mean, we've been playing with one big, one-and-a-half big for a while, and they've done a great job with uh, Jeremy and Nicola. Uh, yeah, Vanderbilt played some five. He, he was getting smashed by Drummond. Yeah. And, yeah, so, He's 150 pounds more than he is. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think there's – we also didn't want to uh, – kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and feel like there was a gun to our head to make huge moves where we're, I don't think we played that great this year. I think Mo would agree. I think Scott, you'd probably agree. Yeah. We've won a lot of games and that speaks to uh, how great our coaching staff has done putting these guys in position late game to win games. But I, I, I thought last year, two years ago, there was a period in the season where we were really rolling. I think most recently we've seen that we've had some huge wins mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully we're, we're turning that team right now. And without, Internally, us feeling like we've played great, great. We're third in the West. Uh, we hope we're back with um, in, with home court if the playoffs were to end today. So I think while we were motivated, the, there was no self-induced pressure, and we didn't feel like we had to do a ton for this team to make a real run. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that, that went to Milwaukee, beat Milwaukee, and a team that was seven guys, six and a half healthy. I mean, because Jamal ain't 100%. He played about 75, 80, maybe. Um it's still the team that lost to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, still the team that lost to some sub-500 teams. Sacramento, you know, when you gave a 15-point lead in the last five minutes or whatever. So it's still that team. So I agree. I don't know if you played great yet, which I get excited about that. I don't want to peak in February or, no. or January, right? No, and it's the first time we are facing expectations. And I think in, in the beginning of the season, I think some of the guys will admit they didn't do a great job dealing with that. Well, they got up for the big games, and then some of the teams that we've lost to – Everybody in the NBA is good, but respectfully, we probably shouldn't have lost to him. So um, I, I think the season started. Nikola wasn't himself initially. We've certainly had a couple guys shooting-wise have been way below their career averages. So Nikola's playing at as high a level as anybody in the, in the world right now. And I expect some of those guys that have struggled shooting the ball for that to kind of uh, return to form. And I think when those things come together and we can be finally healthy, we integrated two huge pieces of the rotation. Michael was barely playing. Now he's a huge part of it. It's not easy for a guy like Jeremy Grant going from a starter in Oklahoma City to come off the bench. I think he's fu- fully integrated, and he's a huge part of what we're going to do. Um, so I think if you, collectively, if you take a very optimistic approach, which, as you guys know, I always do probably to an obnoxious level, I think I'm pretty excited about where we're going to be and what we're going to look like coming out of the All-Star break. Tim Conley hanging out with us in studio. Uh, I want to ask you, we'll ask you one more, then we'll take a break and hang out for a couple of segments with us. But we actually talk about that a lot, and we talked about it a, a, a whole bunch at the beginning of the season that – uh, we used who's the player we used Shaquille O'Neal as a, an example, a comp that you come to to camp not in the shape that you're going to be in April and May and hopefully in June, right? And, and you use that time. We talked about in the NFL as well, like the first four weeks of NFL season. Yeah, sure, the win loss record is there, but it's not end all be all come January. I think Nicola maybe took that same approach with with the start of this season. I, I think you know he was tired mentally and physically from playing the first time in the playoffs. And then the national team. The national team is a heck of a commitment. It's mm-hmm. 40 or 50 days. You're, you're traveling all over the world. You're in China. Um, so I think he certainly got here and was, didn't know he was tired until the season started. And I think, again, this is all uncharted territory for all our guys. Last year was kind of the innocent ascent, right? Let's just let's make it. Let's surprise yeah. guys. And now you come back and it's, you can't surprise guys. And there's expectations that you've established and you can't fall below those expectations. So I think our guys have slowly – starting to understand what, what that entails. And I think, um, again, the optimistic, and I, I think 
I have real confidence that this will prove to be the case. That you're going to see a better version of us when we're fully healthy and that stretch run that after uh, Chicago and the All-Star break. The, the interesting thing for me to talk about Nicola, because, you, I mean, you know him better than anybody. I mean, he is just – he's like a big kid, I mean, first of all. I, I think he was mentally tired. I don't think he necessarily wanted to play for a Serbian team. He told me that at the end of last year. He said, they don't play my style, NBA more my style. And I'm like, dude, there's a whole bunch of pundits <laughs> think the NBA is your style. <laughs> and you're crushing dudes. Uh, uh, but I, I also think that anyone's smiling. There was no smiles in the first 20 games. for Now, the other night, he gets 30, 21 plays 42 minutes, and he's, he's on the plane going, boop, boop, boop. I mean, he's like Mr. Happy. You know him well, and you're on every road trip. He has to play with joy. Yes. There's been some great players that can play angry, and after a winter Co- Kobe long, Bryant, we just lost. Absolutely. Was great playing angry. Kobe was fantastic. Kevin Garnett, fantastic. That is not Nicola, and I don't think that's our team. I think our, our team is – you know, I think fun should still be should still be part of the game at the professional level. Heck yeah! You know, there, there's a joy in playing, and if you lose that joy, it's hard to be as good as you can be. But Nicola, more so than maybe any great player that I've been around, he has to have fun. He has to have joy. He doesn't think it's the end of the world. He cares. He really cares. But he also knows it's not life or death. Which is, if you go back to that Utah game, I bet that was fun for him. You know, we ain't supposed to win. We only seven got seven guys. Uh, he was, seven he was, dudes. He had so much fun, and he was in such a great mood. At, he's always in a great mood. But he's such a great mood afterwards, cracking jokes, one-liners, making fun of the guys not playing. Like, maybe this, you know, maybe we just play with these seven. And he's he really enjoys being one of the guys. He enjoys kind of in a sense of humor about it. But I think at, at the core of his soul, he knows I'm a tough guard, man. It's hard to beat me. It's going to be hard to beat us when I'm playing like this. Mm. Tim Conley hanging out with us. A couple more segments with Tim. We'll take our first break. Come back. Sean Automotive text line is open for you at 30933. It's Harris Hastings in Dover on a funky Friday. It is Harris Hastings in Dover hanging out with Tim Conley. Big rise off today, by the way. What a day to pick to take off. Way to go, Ryan Harris. Planning that. Tim, Tim, we were also just talking about your shoes. I, I'm admiring your shoes. On even on a snow day, he's wearing the Jordan. Yeah, it's it's hard to wear Crocs, right? <laughs> and I like. We we're talking off air. Um, I like sneakers. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have anything compared to our guys, but uh, me and my buddies used to be really into sneakers. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to be able to buy some sneakers that yeah. you couldn't afford back in the day. And mm-hmm. Jordans are hard 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 yeah. to beat. You know what I got somewhere? Uh, although you know, when you get divorced, uh, which don't ever find that out. <laughs> Um, you end don't, up don't like the win. Yeah. <laughs> can you start with the if? Do you know something about this? No, my wife talked to you? No, no, I was telling all the people out there, uh, if you, uh, you you end up losing things, you don't realize you lost yeah. until all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, I got me like four pairs. I had some Reebok pumps, yeah. you know, with the big orange ball. Yeah, those yeah, which were cool. Oh, they're great. They're those great. are cool. Hey, put them on StockX, man. You'll be shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. yeah I don't have any idea where those are. Well, we were just are. talking about it. I, I just bought my first home, and I did StockX help me out a whole lot. So it's great. Kids. Yeah. It's great. I had a buddy who got divorced, and this is years and years ago in Baltimore. Went to his house on Christmas, you know, by himself. Me and my brother went over there. We're going to cook for him. And she took everything. Had a sofa. In a bed, that was it. Empty place. And he's fine, you know, things yeah. happen, you know, da da da. We oh, go, well, that's what we say. Things happen. <laughs> yeah. that was good. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, bacon and eggs, and uh, we have bread. Hey, where's the toaster? And she took the toaster and he lost his mind. Oh, it's the, <laughs> I mean, the, straw. the toaster, that, you know, words I can't say now. That, that, this, and that. The toaster, I said, look around. You don't have a TV, you don't have a chair, but the toaster was the one that put you over the edge. 
<laughs> it's that one thing. It's just, oh. oh Mike Flipiak. It's remember like yesterday. <laughs> hey, you mentioned a, a while ago you're, you're fixing to head out scouting. Your whole team, um, yourself, Arturis, you know, Tommy, Calvin, um, and there's more, I mean, there tons on the East Coast uh, and everything else. I mean, that's the one thing that I've noticed with you guys more, more than any group that's been here. Uh, Masai was good at that. Masai went a lot of places too. But before that, I mean, I'm, I'm going three or four groups back. You guys scout future. I mean, I don't know. You you got to be, in my uh, assumption, you guys might be two or three drafts ahead as far as talent that may be available. Is that is that fair? You have to know the draft because the draft allows you to know the league. When we made the trade, uh, the, these recent trades, we've seen these guys play extensively. We had, you know, 20 reports on each guy's. And that starts when the high school high school events you're allowed to attend. It continues in the college or international game. So, uh, I, I, next boss had a great line to me. He said, "Never, never d- disconnect them from the talent base." And I don't, I don't want to be the guy in the room when our scouts are talking about a second round pick from Missouri State, where I'm just completely clueless. So, I, the scouting's the part of the job I really, really enjoy. And I think the more you know, the better it is. Not just for the draft, but when you're able to make quicker and more decisive decisions when these names come up, like. Like Noah Vonley, we worked him out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Kata Bates-Jopp was here two years ago. There's a familiarity that's pre-existing. Jordan McRae played with Will Barton's brother at Tennessee. We've watched him a million times in the G League. He played in Australia. So when it's time, when these names are brought up to you, I think the more you know, the the more confident you are to say yes or no. It, the, the interesting meme before you made the the uh, the Evans trade, um, but Jopp is still intriguing to me. What, what are you guys seeing here? High IQ guy, great length, can play both four positions, a very good spot shooter. He's shooting like 42 from the corners. Um, a very good cutter, which certainly in our team, it's probably more important than a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Move he, without the ball. And, and he, he's bright. He, he's a smart guy. I mean, your old teammate, Ernie Grunfeld, said Red's Hold, Red Holtzman, you used to tell him all the time, the long-time legendary Knicks coach. And yeah, The more smart you guys have, smart guys you have in the room, the better. He's a really bright person. Well, look um, at those championship teams in New York. I mean, some of those guys were. I mean, you had senators come out of that place. Absolutely. I mean, we have <laughs> we have a um, a video app that allows our guys to watch various edits, and we gave him access quickly. And I think hours after the trade, he had already logged on and looked at some of our defensive schemes. You know, oh wow! It speaks to where his head's at. But I, I think it's look we're we're a team that's um, talented and deep and roster. I'm sorry, rotation management will not be easy to come by, but he showed a lot in um, at Minnesota. The coaching staff, players raved about him, and I think he, he'll find um, this environment pretty conducive to further growth, and you know, hopefully we find something. Well, as you brought his name up, Will Barton, a guy that I know you like uh, just off the floor as well. We've been talking about him all season. I, I said this has been early on until Joker turned it on. Will, I think, was the best and most consistent player early for you guys. And some of his numbers, it was uh, 538 did it. He's up with uh, PR ratings with, with guys like LeBron. What has happened this year? Is it just health? Is it more confidence? What's changed in your eyes for Will? I think it's primarily health. Uh, he had never been injured before, so uh, the injury it was made worse by the fact he's never been injured. So it, he, he really attacked rehab. He went to rush back out there quickly. He's a guy that relies on quick twitch to be effective. So I think he, in his – in his rush and haste to get back on the court, we probably didn't see who he was. I thought as the playoffs progressed, you saw a, a will that was more reflective of the guy he's been the previous four or five years. As Scott can attest, he's obsessed with basketball. I mean, he's the guy that 
he and Monte Morris, my two go-tos, you want to talk about a college player, you want to talk about who's better, this guy or that guy. And, you know, he just loves, loves the game. He knew he didn't play like himself last year. He was aware of some of what I, I think was a lot of unfair criticism. And there's nobody more confident in the world than Will. <laughs> um, Just so asking. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so you couple all those things, a guy that loves the game, a guy that's really talented, a guy that has – he's always already had a chip on his shoulder. Now his chip is two times, and he tasted playoff success. He loves, loves, loves basketball. So he, he was chomping at the bit to get back out of it this year. And I think he's had a fantastic year without him. I don't know where we'd be. You know, it's funny because we were talking about this the other day, and it almost seems come back from the injury, Murray's regained a little bit of that love. Not that you ever lose it, but after an 82-game season, 82-game season, then you get hurt, and then you've still got everything you got to stay up on top of, but you got to rehab for two or three hours a day and all the different stuff. It becomes a grind. But the way he's come out, the game seems slower to him. And that's, you know, Eddie Sutton told us that my first meeting as a freshman, the older you get, the slower the game is. Well, to Nicola, it's it's a slow motion replay. I mean, everything's slow to him. Murray's looked like that a little bit. Those are going to be your two big guys. But if Barton could be that guy that's always floating around eighteen to twenty two every single night, that's when I think you guys get dangerous. No, I agree. I think Will's well, first Jamal. I think the um, you never want to get injured, but you're able to see the game from a different perspective. He's not a I don't know what he's thirty three percent three point shooter. That's not who he is. No, there'll be a bounce back there. He he's watched a ton of video when he's been out. He's tried to figure out areas where he's missing. You know, how can I make this easier for Joker? How can I make this easier for the rest of my teammates? And sometimes injuries are the blessing in disguise, and especially when it's a sprained ankle. It's not too serious. Yeah. Um, Will's impact, I think, defensively is at a different level than he's ever been right now. And I think the underrated part, aspect of Will's game is he just hoops. It's going to get six or seven rebounds. I mean, there's not many better guard rebounders or wing rebounders in the league than him. And even when his shot's not falling, you know that he's going to get some assists. He's going to get rebounds. And his overall toughness, I think, bleeds into the rest of the team. He's, he's a guy that really believes we can win it all, and he really believes he's the best player on the court. And, and you need that. You know, I, I don't think you can win a championship unless you really feel that that's the case. Mm. Hanging out with Tim Conley in studio. A couple more minutes with him, one more segment after this. I want to ask you, I heard you start to get into it with uh, the morning show guys when I was trucking in here. Uh, about Michael Porter Jr., kind of a snub for the Rising Stars Challenge. Nuggets Nation a little upset about that, as they should be, but he's a guy that we know how good he can be offensively. What I've been impressed with is, one, learning his defensive assignments, picking them up, adjusting in-game, but attacking the basket, with or without the basketball, that, that's been very impressive for me with Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, his size is going to allow him to get rebounds, but his willingness to just attack the basket and crash the boards, I didn't, I didn't really expect that, to be honest. Yeah. We knew he was a really good rebounder. He's one of the best rebounders that, that I've come across, especially for a rookie. His nose for the ball, obviously his size, and he just has great instincts. You know, he knows what the ball's going to be. Uh, we've challenged him, and Mo and his staff done a great job. We're not going to let you be uh, an empty calorie score. You know, you can't just be productive on one end. I think, and I talk to him all the time about it, and, you know, he, he's a really competitive guy. He comes from a great basketball family. I think he has a chance to be a really, really good defender. Um, with his switch ability, with his defensive rebounding, with his size at the rim just being vertical, mm -hmm. making guys score over him, and he has instincts. Uh, you know, the, nobody comes in the league as a good defensive player, but the, these strides he's made in, in the brief time he's been in the NBA has been pretty impressive. I think it speaks to a guy that has a whole lot of upside on that end. Offensively, the game's easy to him. You know, he's, he's been used to being an ISO scorer his whole life. He's done a great job of trying to 
mold his game a little bit more to a team game. I'm going to cut more. I got it. We joke with him. He's like, you know, I've never really worked on catch and shoot basketball because I always have the ball. (laughs) (laughs) And he's taking the challenge. The guy wants it. He's a great teammate. He's a big time worker. And he's, I think he's going to be a huge uh, piece of what we're doing. He's going to be your best shooter. I mean, his stroke is unbelievable. He can really shoot the ball. Yeah. He can really shoot the ball, and he's so confident. And against closeouts, when you're 6'11 with a 7'2 wingspan, you don't see anybody. Mm. You know? He doesn't see it. When he, when he takes the takes one dribble or, or against closeouts, he, unless you're 7'1, he doesn't see a 6'8 guy closing out on him. He just sees the rim. Right. And the funny thing for me watching, you got to believe, I mean, you got kind of two games in college, kind of, that he two played. Two games he wasn't, couldn't even tie his shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Other than that, you could go back to AAU before he played basketball. Well, the NBA ain't AAU. You you can see talent, but it's a whole different game. You know, the, the, you don't you're not going against six seven one one thirty very often and just being able to score. And you can still see that you can see how good he is. And he doesn't still know the game yet as far as the NBA game yet. But you see growth every time. I'm glad he got snubbed because I've seen guys that get snubbed. Also, that is motivation. Yeah, I, the problem I had with it was at the time when those things were announced, we're the second best team in the West. True. Um, and we have one representative. That man, again, it, there's going to be snubs. That's just how it is. That's just hard for me to understand that we have that much team success and only one guy can represent us. I, I, not just the All Stars. How about Skills Challenge? How about right. put Jeremy in the dunk contest? You know, Ooh. somebody. Um, so I thought that was kind of reflective to what we would all agree locally that um, the national. Spotlight's not always on Denver. Yeah. Um, that that part is just it's a Nicola will be first. He'll he's there representing his teammates and his coaching staff and the organization proudly, and he'll be the first to tell you, like, I, I'm here because of you guys, and it's disappointing that it's just me. Yeah. Well, that's you know what that's what we're here for. We're here as the home of the nuggets <laughs> to make sure Nicola gets his due and everybody and you know else. So. And Nicola, I guarantee you'll be this guy. I mean, all stars are great and fine, he'll represent. Dude, I bet he'll be out there as soon as the game's over. He's going to try to get out. I mean, because he don't care. Somebody sent me a screenshot this morning. Like, I don't have any social media, um, but I guess he, he got selected by LeBron in the All-Star mm-hmm. team, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if LeBron or somebody retweeted, like, at – I don't even know who he picked. Make it at, Dame Lillard at. And the final one just says Joker because he doesn't have an at. It just says Joker. <laughs> that's who he is. And that's, you know, that's who we are, and we're, and we're proud of it. We'll take our next break. One more segment coming up with Tim Conley. Uh, We'll wrap up some Nuggets thoughts with Tim coming up next. Harris Hastings in Dover. All right, final segment here, hanging out with Tim Conley. Anything you want to throw his way, we can uh, pass that message along. 30933, the text line is powered by Champ Automotive, so hit us up right there. I want to ask you some more Nuggets and NBA questions, but I do want to, I want to get into, you brought it up a little earlier, Scott. It was a couple of Sundays ago now, and we found out yesterday that 224, the Lakers will honor uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi. I know you, you love basketball just like we love basketball. Uh, that, one, that one hit home. That was hard, especially um, the team that you're, you're running. Those, that's everybody, their Michael everybody Jordan. Everybody grew up with them. Yeah, that's everybody. their MJ. How, how did you take that on Sunday, and kind of what was the vibe with the team? It was surreal. He's a guy that one of the best to ever play. A guy that our whole team, uh, Scott's right. There was their Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guy that you watched his development from from Lower Marion to brick and shots, the Lakers initially to <laughs> one of the best competitors we've ever seen. Um, it, it was just weird. It was really sad. My wife showed me something 
as we walked to the arena, I said, that's not true. Don't, don't, that's fake. Put that down. That's disgusting. You know, it's, and then five minutes later, someone told me and it was just, it was morose. Um, he was a guy that, um, really seemed to be happy you know scott you can attest when your playing career is over that transition is not that anger easy. we talked about he played with anger last sure did and he was so happy and he he's, he was such a great dad and so proud of his daughters and, and so all into being a father um and kind of on a personal level one of my best friends grew up with him they were really tight i played with his first cousin in high school so i, I his cousin was a really good player his cousin was about Three years older, I think Sharif was three years older. He'd say, "My cousin in Philadelphia." We're like, "Yeah, he's probably okay. Right. He's probably fine." <laughs> yeah. And then as Kobe starts to develop, like, well, that's Kobe Bryant's <laughs> pretty the good. Cousin. Um, so it was very sad. It's still sad. I think it all. We all take a step back and take inventory where we are. It's forty-one years old. The guy's got everything in the world you'd want: health, happiness, a beautiful family, you know, wealth beyond your wildest uh, imagination. And it's. Um, I know it's it's trite and cliche, but things change quickly and. Um, I think uh, a lot of us kind of caught up and talked about how fortunate we all are. And, um, and, and it was just weird, weird yeah. and sad. And it's, you never think it happened to a guy who who's that strong and that vibrant. He's the last guy to, to think that his life would be taken from him so quickly. Well, he, for guys like me, who have been older and you've lost parents and you've lost grandparents and family members. You've seen iconic heroes. My first guy growing up was Will Chamberlain. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali was an icon, and as a, as a player, I got to meet both those guys as as a player because I played in the NBA yeah. and in the NBA Jeez. locker room. I got to meet Muhammad Ali because I was an NBA player. I got to meet Will Chamberlain once because I was an NBA player. Uh, but these guys are still so young, especially teams like ours are so young. This this could be for some of them the first person they've ever lost. Not all of them, but some of them. No, it's certainly the the collective. Uh, level of just sadness for these guys. I think you're right. I mean, when you're 19, 20, 21, the last thing you think about is your mortality. Mm. And uh, again, Kobe, you know, people unfortunately pass away all the time regardless of age, right? We don't know how much time we have. But Kobe was the walking embodiment of virility and strength. Mm. And mm -hmm. I mean, that guy, you know, the way he took care of his body, the, the, the gusto that he played with, the gusto that he led his post-playing career with, it's it's the last guy you could ever imagine that something like that would happen to him. Uh, we're getting a couple of texts on the the text line, a couple of questions, and this is on Twitter all the time. And uh, we played altitude, had a team at the um, three on three that you guys held outside of Pepsi Center, and Bol Bol showed up, and the crowd goes crazy, man. They're going around him, he's taking photos, he's throwing stuff to fans. Uh, but Bobo is a guy that he, he's piqued the interest of a whole bunch of Nuggets fans. What are you seeing from him? What do you think his, I don't want to say ceiling yet because that's unfair. He's too young. But what do you think his NBA player life could be like? He's a very unique profile. Mason Plumlee had a good line uh, a couple weeks ago. He's one of one. You know, he's, he's a hard guy to comp. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a 7-2, guy who has real ball skills, who shoots the leather off the ball. I mean, he's a great shooter, led NCAA in three-point shooting last year. Um, obviously, his length is impactful both as a, a defensive backline guy and as a finisher. He, he dunks so easy. It's we laugh sometimes. He'll just, you know, take off from the free throw line. And oh it's, it's simple. Gosh. So I think with uh, Bull, it's going to be speed of the game. The obviously physicality is going to be a challenge. I think that the rules are, are more conducive to a guy like Bull right now. It'd be a bit more challenging than when Scott was playing when you could just you know, pound them, pound guys mm -hmm. and hand check and have two hands in the back. I think, the NBA right now is about 
uh, ease of movement and fluidity and offense. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that has a, a lot of unique tools, shot blocking, his handle's really good, which, you know, he loves to tell you that. And we kind of laugh, but <laughs> he has a really weird, he has a really good handle. A guy that grew up playing face and he's so skinny. You talk to him, he said, I had to have perimeter game because um, I'm 6'6", 145, and it's right. not fun being in the paint. So th- there's a lot of upside there. You know, again, we have a team, fortunately, that he's going to have to fight for every minute. And I think that's the best way the guys can earn minutes. But he's a, a unique talent, a guy that's really taken to the um, NBA work ethic and, our coaching staff's done a great job slowly building those guys into players that can be reliable. I, I, and I hope you hope the year that he can sit and watch, because I, you mentioned Jamal Murray, you learn from a different perspective watching that, I mean, you guys are having a lot of success and Nikola Jokic having a lot of success in what a lot of people would deem not the perfect pro athlete body, but because of a unique skill set is just dominant. I mean, he's got to, I, I would hope to see that and go, Okay, I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to work on different stuff, but my skill set is going to be so much better than anybody else. I'll be, I'm going to be able to do this. Absolutely, I think I think there's probably a kind of a, a market inefficiency with um, too often, probably not just in basketball in life. People just judge how they look, um, right? And, and he, he's a bowls a different looking guy. You're not you're not going to comp him to a lot of physical guys. Yeah, there's he looks look like, like a new bull. Yeah. You know, that, that was his comp. Yeah. Um, I think. <laughs> he looks like his dad. Yeah. yeah. Let's compare him to, oh, his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Monte Morris is not a, a Uber athlete. He's not huge. He's not, a, he doesn't look that strong, but he can really hoop and, he, and he's a tough guy. Um, Nicola is the, the prime example. Nicola, Again, Nicola now looks like Schwarzenegger compared to Nicola when he was 17, 18, 19. Yeah. I, was, I was at game scouting Nicola where guys would make comments about his body and try to be funny about this or that. And I think sometimes your eyes fool you. You know, you don't see the game. You see the body. You see, see what they look like. And I think um, we've been lucky, a couple of those guys, that you're not picking Monte Morris and, and Nicola probably out of, a, out of a lineup if you're looking for um, guys that can impact, you know, playoff-level basketball on both those guys. I've done that and I'll continue to do that. But, but to me, then, then what you're screaming at to a lot of us who, who don't get to hear you speak every day, um, you're almost old school in the sense that the first question is, can they play? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I I mean, say, I should that ever be lost? That should yeah. never be lost, should it? Well, look, the, the analytics are huge and we have a, a fantastic staff. We have to check every box, look for every red flags. But our staff, and this is like a straight, I think it's like a Baltimore term. They get sick of me saying it, but they'll say, like, I'd say he's nice. Like, he's nice. Yeah. Like, like Will Barton is nice. Monte Morris is nice. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there's – we should start with that. I think if you get too specific, if the first thing you tell me about a guy is he can – they can really hedge on pick and roll. That's the first thing you tell me. I said, all right, well, that's not good. You know? <laughs> like, let's, you know. We no, can teach that, right? I, mean, I, I want guys that can hedge and pick and roll, but I think the NBA has gotten so specific where – and some guys have roles right now they couldn't have played in your era. Like, when you were a two-guard in your era, you better be able to score at the rim, make shots, be athletic, guard. And defend. And now you can be – you can if you can make a corner three and defend, there's roles. And I, I think we have to be – that's that's helpful. We have some specific uh, look for specific pieces in rotation, but I do think um, it's the NBA. I mean, you should walk in a gym and say, "Wow, that guy's who's that Big guy?" Book, right. Now, yeah. now let's dig in. Now, can he guard? Can he follow game plans? What do analytics look like? What what does his health look like? But I, I do think we work backwards a little bit. Like that, that dude can hoop. Now let's dig in for all the other stuff. See, I, I like the the terms that you're using. That he can hoop, nice. Like that's yeah. when I go play pickup on Sunday. That's what we're saying. Yeah, no, we we talk about it all the time. Even 
like some of these rules that we struggle with, like some of the, you know, people don't like some of the gamesmanship, right? Like in my opinion, if it's a garbage whistle and pickup, it shouldn't be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. If you thank get, you, you know, it should be like <laughs> thank you. So if the guy slides his feet, and you bump. You're not gonna be like foul. Like come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Like we're, no, you no, do. You know what you do? That 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 that's always called in pickup games right before a fight. Because you, yeah, 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 you yeah. just you're trying yeah. to piss the guy off. That's yeah. all you're trying to do. Yeah. Come on, right? So don't don't cheat the game. Get fouled on shooting fouls and and, and attack. And but I, I think you know there's we self police and pick up, and it works out pretty well. Works and out that's pretty not good. a foul, man. No one touch you, man. Check up. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. I want to ask you this because we've got tons on Twitter. I've even had some partners that were worried. You addressed it a little bit earlier when you first sat down, and I'm sure you did it in the in the morning show also. Um, this draft, people, there's no names. I think people got all freaked out. They don't want to win a championship. They don't. They don't think they could. Look at who they got. There's who are these guys. These guys. They're not even going to play. And, and and I said, listen, you've now solidified. You're, you're basically your four or five for sure. And this is before Evans even came in. And you know what else you've done? You, you basically there's no nobody now in front of Porter. Porter's going to play. Porter has to play. And, and to me, that's. Two big things you've done, if nothing more in this in this trade. Full disclosure, real quick, Tim. Yesterday, I my goal, I had to walk him off the ledge. He walked me off the ledge a little because I was thinking you go get a shooter, you make room for Michael Porter Jr. And the trades come, and I I was doing exactly what Scott said. I was going, hey, what what happened here? He talked me off the ledge a little bit. I slept on it, feel a little <laughs> bit better, but yeah. Please answer the question. Well, you know, certainly we have a million conversations, but we we don't want to. There's price points, and you, you can't just. Keep moving the goal lines and price points. If you do that, I think you don't allow for sustained success. I think it's one of those things where, of ultimately, um, you know, you can almost get anybody in this league outside of a handful of guys. Just how much we give up, and, and some of the conversations we had that what, what was asked for did not seem uh, worth it to us. We also think um, obviously Porter is going to play more and more. He wasn't the rotation to start the season. Jeremy Grant, I think, is fully integrated now. Mm-hmm. Um, the two huge pieces. We think we had two things. We have to be healthy, and we have to be functioning at a high level to beat these elite teams. Devoid of either, I don't know if we're good enough. Um, and I think that's, that could be the case for all these teams. That's not unique to us. So we're assuming health. Maybe that's an unsafe assumption, but I think if you're never assuming health, then you're never going to have, never going to make a trade. Sure. You're going to keep right, everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think we're assuming, and I think I think it's a safe assumption that some of these guys have struggled uh, shooting the ball are going to shoot the ball like they have in the last couple of years. Um, if neither of those things happen, I think then we're not where we want to be. And I think certainly Porter, and it's up to Mo. We, we're not a front office that says do this or this. We too much respect for our coaches staff, and they're fantastic at it. But I, I think it's hard not to watch Michael and say, you know, this guy probably can do a little more mm-hmm. as he gets more and more comfortable. You know, it's funny. The All Star break is not the halfway point; it's the stretch run. Yeah. And as the stretch right. run hits, you're going to play less and less and less players. You know, you're not going to see a lot of 10-man, 11-man rotations in the playoffs. So we thought kind of in unison those things led us to what we did the last 48 hours. Um, we The ability to have a first-round pick I think is huge, whether you add a young player, whether that piece is in play for a trade. It's outside of great players. There's no no better asset you can have than a first-round pick. Yeah. And we're, we're, there, we're at a point now in, our I think, our uh, development, there's going to be attrition. It's just going to – guys are going to want bigger roles – Guys going contracts we can't match, and it's really it's we're proud we're here. It means that, that we played well, and the, the rest of the league's recognizing some of our guys are good, and maybe they're an eighth guy in Denver. They can be a fifth guy here. So we're trying to be ahead of that a bit, knowing that you know hell or high water, you're not going to keep all these guys, and that's 
it's, it's a tough part of the job, but it's also a part that you're kind of proud of because you see these young guys develop into bigger roles and allows them to – like I, it, it hurts losing Malik and Wancho and Jared. And I talked to one this morning, had dinner with one at the night of the trade, and I can't wait to watch them play. I hope mm-hmm. they kill it because those guys are great guys and they grew up here. But um, when you get good, you're going to lose guys. And how do you – I don't want to stay, stay ahead of it because you just can't keep everybody, but how, how do you – try to set yourself up for a level of sustained success. We want to be a good team for a really, really long time. And we want to be in this in this window where you have a puncher chance each year. So I don't know if we've accomplished all those things, but we thought under that kind of decision-making matrix, the, the moves we made made sense. Last one I got for you. Um, these new guys coming in, I, I get what you're saying with adding some depth, and it could be a thing when these rotations do go down uh, after All-Star break and, and that stretch run. Uh, they don't see a lot of the floor, but how quickly do you think some of these these newer guys get acclimated here? I guess in the next couple of games before the All Star break. I think Phoenix. I, we're not. We're still the walking wounded. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I true. Think, <laughs> I think Saturday night these guys should be ready to sweat and and um, impact the game. And what is good, the guys, um, uh, the, the guy um, that we got, two of them were rotation guys. McCray was playing big, big minutes. Um, Cato was playing big minutes. Vonley was more situational, played a huge role in New York last year. So these guys aren't wide-eyed. They're not going to be scared when they're thrown out there. They're, they're used to playing. Veterans. Yeah, they're, they're, they're used to playing real roles. And it's also fun when you get new, new young guys. I mean, they're, uh, McCray's young in the NBA, but he's 28 years old. But uh, Bates Giap's second year. Uh, Vonley's only 24. And you don't know what you're going to get. You know, I remember when we traded uh, for Will Barton. He was a guy that had no role. Mm-hmm. Uh, was seen as a throw-in. And now you look at him five, six years later, and he's one of our he's best players. He's a core guy. Yeah, so you, you never know. But we didn't just randomly pick these guys. These guys, I think, are, are Nuggets-type players, Nuggets-type people, and hopefully they can have an impact both on and off the court. I, I said this the other night, and obviously Gary is not offensively where I think this team needs him, where Gary wants to be. Um, I gave him tons of prop, though, because when you're over 13, everybody, every player has one of those games where you go, what the hell was that? Uh, he had that moment over 13, over six in Houston, I mean in Utah. And yet, if you go five seconds to go in the game, holding on into an, an improbable win, the one guy that attacked the rebound wasn't a guy that was afraid. I mean, he, I mean, he came out of nowhere and I mean, headed to rim type rebound, and then knocked two free throws down, which I think speaks of the pro in Gary. You guys need him to shoot better. It, is there a fix? Is this all on Gary? Is this the staff working with him? Is he, does he need to take a deep breath and calm down? Where, where do you see that? Oh, it's, it's on all of us. We actually had dinner last night and talked about it. I said, uh, you know, I'll give you a, a B tonight because your defense is great. You're eight rebounds. And I, I, I joke with him about rebounding times. You had playmaking. You had the steal. You knocked down the free throws. You make a couple shots. You have a strong A. You know? so he, <laughs> he had an impact on the game despite his shooting woes. But when a player is struggling, we have to help. It's not just on him. It can be a myriad of issues. Is there something physical? I know that's the case. Um, are you putting too much pressure in each shot? You know how it can snowball. Yeah. One missed shot. The slope is usually tri- mental after a while. And, and it, then anxiety kicks in. Yeah. You know? So I think anytime a player struggles on or off the court, it's got to be an organizational commitment to try to get better. And we know Gary inside and out. The guy is as, as good a person as you're going to find. We trust the person. We put a, a lot of what we do is we buy into the person first and the player second and I have little doubt that guy is going to turn around as a shooter, and I have little doubt that he'll continue to be a hugely impactful guy as we hit the stretch run. No mechanical for me, what I see. To me, I think he's starting to guide his shots because he's thinking about it too mm-hmm. much, and he's shooting on the way down. 
Just check into that if you want. No, I, I don't. Listen, we talked, we talked about it last evening. Yeah. That verbatim, if you see him, if you watch him shoot pregame, it's, it's not an issue. Yes. No. Yeah, Scott won't come to my rec league games and, and give me those kind of points. I, yeah. don't, know, I don't know what hey, I got to do. Although I changed, I changed Ryan's game, though, yeah, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You I did. helped Ryan's yeah, game. Yeah. So you guys, are where do you guys play? Uh, Sunday mornings we play up in Westminster, and then dude, he's a hooper. He he'd come and play with you guys. You should, man. Westminster sounds far. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, DAC down here is good too. Yeah. Good runs at DAC yeah. on Monday. I'm really, we're really in right now to the three on three FIBA rules. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. The three on three at the Petri three on three is pure basketball to me, though. And the FIBA rules are fast. You get the quick outs. I can play on the, That's on the, the ball's elbow live after the make. Right? Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, yeah quick that outs. Quick. So, so, so ball through the hoop. Ball's live. You're going right there. Yeah, you throw it out, and you're going. It's well, pretty we just kind of play that way all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. You try, you try to get out quick. Then, then there was always a dude check, check, yeah, yeah. check. Yeah, yeah. always, always want to slow it down. Right? Yeah. Yeah. check, yeah. check, check yeah. it. So if you need a, like an, uh, I can play from the pinch post, the elbow, like, all right, all right. kind of like a six foot one. Fat, beat up Boris Diaw. I'll shoot you. Yeah, I'll I joke in the call. I said I actually play like you if I if you could not shoot at all. Well, Tim, we could do this all day, man. I really appreciate you coming through, even in the snowstorm, rocking the Jays. Uh, appreciate it. Hey, man. how about Marlon, though? His name, that little dribble step back fade, the Sambor shuffle. That's a, that's <laughs> we got to get we gotta get you and Marlo to the river in, in Sambor and just a case of beer. You, can I say something? Marlo's a king over there. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he must, seriously, he must have thousands of, uh, of Serbian, because now he's all of a sudden tweeting in Serbian. <laughs> He tweets in Serbian. Be careful with that one, Marlo. Marlo. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he only knows like one, one letter off. Yeah. Yeah. Be different. <laughs> Good uh, call. We'll, we'll take a break. Come back top of the hour, Tim. Again, thank you so much for the time this morning. This is awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. It's Tim Conley, President of Basketball Ops for your Denver Nuggets. We'll take a break. It's Harris Hastings in Dover.